during normal, you know, pre-pandemic times, I think that everyone's so busy trying to get to point from point A to point B. And when you're just kind of out and exploring and, and anything that catches your eye, you can just say, well, why don't we just stop here? Like that's what makes a travel experience truly rewarding. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, happy November, and what a month this has been already for us with the election here in the U.S. taking center stage. What a week that was. Um, You know, normally at this time, I am deep in Patagonia. The past five years, I've been there right now. And I keep getting those memories, notifications from social media, kindly reminding me of that fact every day. Today, it was a picture of kayaking in the fjords of Aysen in Chilean Patagonia from last year's trip. Yesterday, it was my second hike of the week to Cerro Torre in El Chalten, Argentina, to try and see it without clouds, which, by the way, we didn't. We had to hike it a third time to get the sunshine. The day before that, it was a photo of my group at a refugio high in the mountains above Bariloche, Argentina. Oh my gosh. Seriously, the best memories I could ask for, <laughs> but they they both completely fill me up and simultaneously make me feel empty because we aren't there this year doing our thing. It's really hard to cope with a lot of things that we've had to let go of this year, and it just seems never-ending, but I will say I have a renewed sense of hope for the future this week, something I haven't felt for a while, and I hope that you feel it too. Um, While we are on the subject of Patagonia, some of you have written and asked me about Patagonia 2021. And yes, oh, hell yes, I am putting all of my good vibes into the Patagonia 2021 basket. So if you are one of the ones interested in traveling to Patagonia with me, please join me in putting all of the positive COVID-free open border vibes into that basket and That will be, I imagine, about this exact same time next year. So all the fingers are crossed for that. Um, Here's the thing. If you want to travel with me or find out details about any of the things that are going on around Jump, please get on my email list because that is where I share details when I have them. Not not here. (laughs) You can can find that email list at jumppodcast.com. Um, if you are there, if you're on that list, you won't miss anything. I promise. If you are only listening here or watching on Instagram, you will probably miss things because I just can't be everywhere at once, but I do prioritize getting info out to my email list. So that's where you want to be. Um, in fact, case in point last week, I made a big announcement, which I will share with you now. Um, because of the incredible interest shown in my, group trip to Croatia, which was postponed from 2020 to 2021. That is a bike and boat island hopping adventure in Croatia. Um, 
I have officially launched another set of dates for that. So we're going twice next October, 2021. And it is open for booking already. And it is not yet sold out. So get on that if you want to join me in Croatia next year. Um, And again, you can find everything just by going to jumppodcast.com. Okay, so today we are joined by my new friend, Emma, from LA. She's here to help us continue our journey of exploring epic adventures that we can find right here in our own backyards stateside uh, to be enjoyed both while we can't travel too far from our homes and afterwards when we can. Because as most of us understand, this country is freaking cool and there is so much to explore and even a small getaway can make a huge difference in the well-being of those who love to travel. Insert yourself there. Um, So today we're going east from LA into the desert, then north to the Sequoias, and then continuing west to the coast on a big road trip that Emma is going to take us on. This is one that she did with her new beau, whom she met and started dating during COVID, by the way. So of course, I asked her to tell that little story as well. So that's all coming up in just a minute. But First, do you guys remember Darren from a few episodes ago? He and Don came on the show to talk about through hiking. And um, because they took two weeks in 2019 to hike the entire Tahoe Rim Trail. So they came on to share about about that. Um, Well, guess what? On that trip, like many others, Darren was wearing none other than his favorite oboes. Hi, I'm Darren. I'm 51 years old. And I've been wearing oboes for probably about six years. I use them for everything. Um, if I'm going on a 10-mile hike for the day, a day hike, I, I use them. I'm a firefighter. Um, I wear them on my way to work because I know they kind of handle anything, a little bit of snow, a little bit of rain, dirt, whatever. I also enjoy a pair um, in Patagonia when I went uh, down there for 10 days. They were wonderful. They were comfortable. Um, we did a lot of hiking down there. They're just a well-rounded shoe. Um, they fit my foot really well. I've had two back surgeries, and they seem like the only shoe that really doesn't bother me in my posture and my stance. Really enjoy my elbows. They're a great shoe. Thanks to Darren for sharing an extra bit about his go-to adventure shoes. If you guys want to check out Oboes Footwear for yourself, go to obosfootwear.com. And Oboes is spelled O-B-O-Z. It stands for Outside Bozeman because they're headquartered right down the street from me, actually. Fun fact, fun neighbors, fun podcast sponsor. Check them out, obosfootwear.com. And here we go with Emma from LA. All right, I am here with Emma Weissman from LA, who's joining us from LA today. So Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am certainly excited too, because I was stoked that you reached out and said, Hey, I'm in LA. I've done all these cool things. Let's talk about these on the show so that we can maybe inspire some outdoor adventure into some people who are living in a pretty hot spot right now for COVID who may or may not be able to travel very far from their homes. And um, yeah, as we're trying to trying to do this thing right and be responsible, uh, I'm really just looking forward to hearing what you have to share about your adventures in your own backyard of LA. So yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Let's start first with maybe just an introduction. Um, Who are you? And we know that you live in LA, but what do you do there? And um, 
how has your life been during COVID? Well, life has certainly been interesting to say the least. So uh, like you, I am traveling a lot in the normal times, pre-pandemic times. So um, I'm a senior editor at a travel trade publication. It's called Travel Age West. And it's a regional publication that goes out to travel advisors who live in the Western U.S. But we also have a website that, you know, hits to consumers as well. And we normally are publishing hotel reviews and destination guides. So all that to say, I'm a travel writer, travel editor, travel journalist. And I have been in L.A. for the past five years now. Okay. And how has all of this affected... Your world. You know, it's interesting because I know everybody is affected by COVID-19 in some way, and the travel industry has been hit especially hard. I mean, we can't travel internationally right now. Our passports aren't being accepted in a lot of countries, and hotels are they are struggling. You know, a lot of travel agencies are struggling and, and face, you know, going out of business if the conditions persist. So at the magazine, like all other publications, we kind of had to pivot our strategy a little bit. So like you mentioned, we're traveling more in our own backyards. We're looking Mm -hmm. for local getaways where we can, you know, go and be responsible and still feel like we're getting that little sense of adventure, even if it's not quite what we're used to. Um, So I've been lucky just in the past few months living in LA, there are a lot of places in Southern California that are within driving distance and really offer a great experience for people who are looking to take a little road trip. So I've been doing quite a bit of road tripping and spending a lot of time in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we get into the road tripping and the actual details about where you've been, can you do you want to share a little bit about how your own mindset is? How are you doing with COVID and what have you experienced that might be different from the norm? I know you have a fun story to tell, so I'm kind of digging for that. <laughs> yes, yes, it's very you know, it's 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 funny because um and going back a little bit to before the pandemic, in January I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with my dad and my brother. And it was the experience of a lifetime. And I remember being on the mountain and just thinking, I can't wait to get home. And now that I've conquered this, I feel like I can conquer anything. I can go anywhere. I can do whatever I want. I just felt so strong and empowered. And of course, I felt physically fit. So I was like, I'm going to be hitting the gym like no other. Um, And I get back down and the pandemic happens. And all of a sudden, all of these opportunities, I just, I was kind of hit with this moment where I'm like, you know, this is all going to be on pause for now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hang tight. I'm not going to be able to just kind of go out and and be crazy like I I thought. So around this time, um, in early March, I started joining the dating apps again. And I was feeling pretty open and and just kind of wanting to meet someone nice and and see where that led. And I, I met a guy at the beginning of March and we just hit it off really quickly. We were chatting on the app, shout out to Hinge, um, best <laughs> dating app out there. And we hit it off. But you know, this was right around the time where people started working from home and, and businesses were shutting down and we were heading into lockdown. So there was an excitement 
about it matched with the fear of the uncertainty at the same time. And I really think, and my now my current boyfriend, his name is Nick. Um, I think we really kind of helped each other through those first early weeks, even though we weren't seeing each other. We were chatting on the app and that turned mm. into a couple of FaceTime dates, which were not as awkward as we thought they were going to be. Um, and then as the weeks went by and it didn't really seem like the restrictions were going to ease up at all, we decided to do some socially distanced dates, you know, sitting in a park six feet apart or, or going on walks. And as we got to know each other a bit more, we, we both weren't seeing anybody else. We kind of incorporated each other into our social bubble, our quarantine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it was extremely exciting and, and kind of like a highlight to this time, which is just so draining and, and lonely and isolating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely understand the side of the, the isolating the, and the, the small circles. I think a lot of people are actually going to appreciate this little, this little tidbit of a story from you just because it's fascinating, A, to wonder what, <laughs> what does that even look like during COVID? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's right. interesting to me that you guys started with FaceTime and then eventually decided to um, sort of put you know allow each other into your circles because that was the big deal at the beginning was the circles they were like defined from day 1 it was tight people were keeping yeah. it really really tight and when you live alone <laughs> without roommates and you don't have a partner ouch and in the travel industry i mean you and me both were experiencing this massive loss and devastation to our industry. This is all happening at once. And on top of that, they're like, by the way, you get to stay home alone. Like, wait, what? 100%. Yes. Break times a million. Yeah. Totally. Yes. I totally agree with you. And and I I do have a roommate here, but she has chosen to quarantine with her boyfriend. So, and, and actually same in his case, we both have roommates who decided to quarantine with their significant others. And so we were alone, like you said. And Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a meeting up was not a choice that we you know took lightly. We knew that we had to be very careful, and that if we incorporated each other, we also had to be very honest with each other from the beginning. Who else we're seeing and and what we're doing, and make mm. sure that we're really on the same page about social distancing and kind of it's it's everybody's own responsibility, I think. But to meet somebody new you have to have those discussions up front and be very frank and honest with each other because it's just, it's health and it's the health of others. Absolutely. Yeah. It's being responsible and respectful to each other. Um, so you guys, you started during COVID and you're still together and you have been adventuring, right? We have, we have. So yeah, tell us how... I mean, let's get into those, um, your, your little backyard adventures, the, the places and um, like, did you start really close? How did you build up into your adventures and how did you decide to do it? And, and where did you go? You're in LA. There are a lot of people there. What did you do to get out? There are a lot of people. So one of the first trips that we took together was just a day trip. Um, and we went up to Santa Barbara. So about an hour and a half drive from, from LA. We just went up on a, a weekend. And this was one of the very first times that we were together in person with, with no masks. And we were you know in a car together in close proximity. And we just went 
walked up and down State Street in our mask and then went to the beach and sat on the beach and just talked. And it was a really lovely way to get to know each other back in those earlier days. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I learned some things about him just in that first trip. You know, when we're driving up in the car, I was driving my car. Um, I made the mistake of not eating a big enough breakfast. So I quickly became a little cranky and irritable and kind of trying to manage that while making small talk because we don't you know, know each other fully yet. Um, and I learned from him that he is a music junkie and he loves jazz, which I had not really been exposed to before. So we're, you know, in the car for an hour and a half and listening to a lot of, of jazz and he's talking super passionately about that. So you're, you're learning things about each other. And then when you just are out of the, your element, you're out of the busyness of Los Angeles and you're able to go somewhere else and sit on a beach that's a lot less crowded than the LA beaches, mind you. And just talk. It was it, it was such a refreshing thing to do. We just came back and we felt rejuvenated. So that was our, our first trip, and that was in early April. And then about a month later, we, you know, it was one weekend, and we were thinking, you know, where can we just go for the day again? Santa Barbara was great. And my cousin who lives in the LA area suggested that we take a trip to the Salton Sea and, and Bombay Beach area, which is about a three-hour drive southeast of LA and a little bit northeast of San Diego. Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of the desert. So super, super hot, but it's a fascinating place. And it's got a really, really unique history. So the Salton Sea is one of the world's largest inland seas and one of the lowest spots on earth. And at its lowest point, I think it's something about like five feet higher than the lowest point in Death Valley National oh, okay. Park. Yeah. So, and it, it's, it looks, it's huge when you go, you can't see the other side of it. And what happened, it has this fascinating history. It was created back in the early 1900s when the Colorado river flooded and it broke down these, these gates leading to the Imperial Valley in California. And it created this massive sea. So it's 45 miles long and 25 miles wide. And back in like oh. the fifties, <laughs> They build this as a resort destination. So you see pictures of people water skiing and it was, it was kind of advertised as this getaway for people in Southern California and Arizona and Utah. But now it's essentially a ghost town. There are a few residents, but it's completely deserted. So when, when we went there, and, and I should also preface that, you know, we went to a spot that was open and actually a local official kind of told us where we could go safely, but that might have changed since May. So I encourage anyone listening, if you do want to go to that destination to look online and make sure that it's open at the time that you're going, because I know a lot of Bombay beach, the town next door to it is, is closed. So just to keep that, keep that in mind to always be up to date with the latest information about if destinations are open. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we went there, it was deserted. We sat by the water. Uh, there's an interesting smell to the lake, I have to admit, just because it has such high salinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of got this sulfuric smell that's a little bit off-putting, um, but it's beautiful. And we sat and we watched the sunset there. And just next to it is a place called Slab City. And Slab City is 
a very interesting place that has a lot of different art installations. And so we went to one called Salvation Mountain. Uh, We were maybe one of four or five other travelers who was there. And Salvation Mountain is like this big, this big mountain that has been painted with gallons of donated paint from a resident back in, I I actually, Jack, you might want to fact check me on this, (laughs) but um, yeah, no worries. uh, I think I want to say like the 50s, but we might have to check on that. Um, But basically it's this massive art piece and it's a tribute to God and there's Bible verses painted all over it. Neither Nick or I are Christian and we're not super religious, but it's, it's beautiful regardless of your religious affiliation. It's, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful to look at. Um, And next to it is a place called East Jesus, which we did not get to go to, but it's also kind of an artist community and very interesting place to go see. They're right next to each other, Salvation Mountain and East Jesus. So we did all that in a day and it was a hot day (laughs) going out into the desert, but it was fascinating to go to a place that is just outside this major metropolitan area, but has such interest to it. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, wore our masks the whole time. We brought gloves. If we had to use like a gas station restroom, we, you know, were very safe about it and um, came back and just, it, it was the same as Santa Barbara. We had that feeling of we got away, we did it safely and we learned something. Yeah. No kidding. I've never heard of any of those three well, well, I suppose you mentioned four, Bombay Beach is one too. I haven't heard of any of those ever. <laughs> so I'm finding this really interesting because it just, I mean, I haven't lived in Southern California, but it just makes me wonder how many people actually know about these places, you know, especially if they're so deserted. Um, and if you're seeking just some sort of maybe solitude or quiet and you're in the city, it sounds like this could be a really great, you know, just go in this direction and you'll find something that will draw you. It sounds like there's plenty to to see and to experience. Yeah. And I would say that it, it kind of depends on the type of traveler you are. So if you want to get, I know this is so cliche, but off the beaten path and you want to go somewhere that you're not going to be necessarily surrounded by restaurants or um, hotels, places to stay, but someplace that just is is interesting and different. I know that this particular part of California, Bombay Beach and the Salton Sea attracts a lot of photographers because mm. it has such a unique history. There's a lot of art there. And I think people want to kind of capture that and show it in an artistic way. So it really appeals to a certain type of traveler, an adventurous traveler, um, somebody who's not going to be expecting to go into a place that feels very similar to a city because it's Mm -hmm. the complete opposite of that. Whereas someone going to Santa Barbara, it's going to be, you know, filled with the vineyards and you have your wine tasting and your normal shops that line the main street and the main thoroughfare. So they're two drastically different travel experiences. Well, that's really what we're looking for, right? Something different, something mm-hmm. exciting that might awaken a different, um, even hobby. I mean, when you when you mentioned photography and art, I mean, you've talked about this place having, I mean, it's beautiful for one, um, but photography, art, history, um, all these things that you, and what about like outdoor, what about trails? What about any like hiking or walking or what about outdoor active biking perhaps? 
There, so in Salton Sea and Bombay Beach area, it really is just, it's desert. So when you go there, it's, there's not going to, I don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for that, but I do know in Santa Barbara and just going straight north of LA with the Santa Monica mountains, there are tons of hiking trails. The ones in LA are a little bit crowded, I will say, and you do have to wear masks. Um, and it's a good way to get outside and into nature, but there are people around you. So that's just something to be aware of. Um, in Santa Barbara, we did visit one trail and we didn't actually hike on it, but we noticed some bikers. So there were people outside and, and yeah, it's a great alternative to being in a big city. You just get outside and you get on those, on those trails. So I would say, you know, north of LA up to Santa Barbara, we've got some great trails that way, but going Southeast into you're going through Palm Springs and, towards Salton Sea, Bombay Beach area, it's, you're not going to find as much of that. Okay. But still things to pass the time and yes, exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Just maybe something different, which I think that that's okay these days. You know, I mean, this whole thing is different for us. And so whole thing is different. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're seeking um, just adventure, you can find it in a lot of things. Just going somewhere new, you know, is really... And the, and the interesting part too about these road trips, especially if you're going somewhere that's a little more desolate, like in Bombay Beach and Salton Sea, you don't have a ton of things to look at. So that really kind of helps you open up and maybe talk about things a little more than you would. Or if you're in the car for long stretches of time, you get creative. You're not just having this stimulus constantly, you know, coming in and out. So, so I think even just getting to know each other better in the case of, of, of Nick and I, it really, it was, is helpful to having us get to know each other better just because we, you know, didn't have much else to do except right. talk and look out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Road trips are so good for that. I mean, either choose a good road trip buddy or Get to know yourself. I mean, solo trips are freaking rad and you can spend a lot of time reading or writing or doing whatever you want because it's all up to you. So um, yeah, I suppose this would be contingent on having a car. Um, <laughs> that's but, true. But that's that pretty much true. it. Mm -hmm. Did you... So both of these that you've mentioned so far have been just day trips. So you didn't stay anywhere on these trips? We didn't stay anywhere on those two trips. And then in July, we planned our first uh, multi-day trip. And that process, you know, you have to think of so many other things if you're choosing to spend the night somewhere. So, and, and looking back, I think we maybe didn't do it the way that would be the most streamlined and efficient, but I, I wouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. um, but we decided to spend the weekend after 4th of July and look toward the mountains. So we went to Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear and then came back down to LA for a night and then drove up to Sequoia National Park to go see the giant sequoia trees, which is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the next day then drove to the coast, Monterey, and back down through Big Sur and all the way back down to LA. So that was a long weekend and that was, we spent... I think only two nights away, but we saw so much and we spent, again, a lot of time in the car. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that comes with its own host of things you have to think about. If you're staying at an Airbnb, a lot of Airbnb hosts right now are doing enhanced clean. We chose to also bring our own cleaning supplies and just kind of wipe everything down. When we got into the Airbnb, we brought our own sheets 
We brought our own towels. We brought our own dishes. I know it sounds extreme, but we wanted to make sure that we were being as safe as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. And was your Airbnb host okay with you bringing in your own linens? Did you ask them first? We didn't ask them. We just came in and we just took off the clean sheets that they had put on the bed and we just put our sheets on it. So um, we didn't ask them actually. And now I'm thinking back, I wonder if we should have. Um, But then when we left, we just put the sheets back onto the bed. Which they're going to take off anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I know some... I've heard of other people putting clean sheets directly on top of the clean sheets, you know, so you don't even have to touch your sheets to the mattress. That's also an option. And then with the dishes, we just, you know, washed our own dishes and just packed them back up. We brought a lot of our own food so that we didn't have to be going to restaurants or um, using any of the things that were in the Airbnb already. We just brought everything and just cooked our own meals that way. Mm -hmm. And how did that feel? How did it go? I felt pretty good about it. You know, I would say that Nick is a little bit more um, anxious about those types of things. So, you know, he wanted to make a list of all the things that we were going to need. And I'm glad he did because there was no room for us to feel like we had missed anything. We came in and before we unpacked any of our stuff, we wiped down all of the the light switches and the handrails and everything. And mm-hmm. it, it, it made him feel more comfortable. And as a result, I was able to relax and, and feel comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we got back, we, we got tested um, for COVID-19 okay. just to make sure, you know, yep. I think five days after our trip, we got the test and we were both negative. So few. <laughs> yeah. And, and also good on you for getting the tests done because if you know, you were, you would be able to track then, okay, where you've been and be able to let people know. And I mean, whatever we can do to try and make this mess any better is, is a good move, you know? So, um, I think that's good that you, that you, and we can, you know, we can get tested if, if something, um, if we're about to go somewhere or if we just got back from somewhere, like even if it's in our own state, you know, we can... Totally. Yeah. And I mean, in the, in the big cities, I know in LA, and I'm not sure if, if you're listening from somewhere else, but in LA, they do have a lot of drive-through testing sites. And in our case, it was at Dodger Stadium. And the whole process took about an hour. We just drove up. We actually did the swab ourselves, and then they collected it. And we had our results in 48 hours. I know that some people that's that's not the case and it might take a week or longer, but in those next 48 hours, while we were waiting for the results, we were completely isolating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, can you tell us more about the places about Big Bear and um, yes. Arrowhead? And yeah, I want to hear about these. <laughs> what is so this we, like? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're beautiful. So um, again, about a two hour drive. So pretty short trek from LA And our Airbnb was actually in a city called Crestline. So right outside of Lake Arrowhead. And it's it's got some cute trails. We did a hike in Crestline called Heart Rock Trail. It's a little steep in some areas. So if you're an avid hiker, you'll like it. You'll get a little bit of a workout. It's pretty short. Um, And then Lake Arrowhead is this gorgeous lake. And there's a little village surrounding it with shops. And we just kind of walked around a little outdoor promenade. The one thing to note about Lake Arrowhead is that the lake itself is private. So if you don't have a dock space, then you're not going to be able to 
to swim there. You can't just go and run off a dock and, and go swimming. It's all private. But next to Lake Arrowhead at Big Bear, there are stretches of the beach that are public. So um, when we got there, I called the tourist office for Big Bear, which you know I think might be because I'm work at a travel magazine. I would know to do that because Nick, he said, you know, he wouldn't have thought of that at all, but they talked to me for a while and gave me some really good information about where I can go to swim and like what's open right now. And so we went and had this kind of stretch of beach where we were able to safely socially distance and just swim and sit on the beach for a while and talk. And it's this beautiful lake surrounded by mountains and you can see the ski resort. Big Bear is, is, is known for being kind of a ski place in the winter. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you get that fresh mountain air and it's, mm-hmm. it's super relaxing. And there are also some hiking trails around there. And we did, a, there's a trail called um, Castle Rock Trail in Big Bear. And it's also pretty popular, but it took a couple of hours. We packed a picnic lunch and sat on the trail and ate our lunch there. And it was just a nice, relaxing mountain escape. Mm-hmm. So that so those were that kind of group of mountain towns on the trip. The second leg of the journey was to Sequoia National Park. And it's open right now. It's beautiful, but it is crowded. So I just want to preface that if, if anyone's deciding to go to Sequoia, just know that there are going to be crowds. And we wore our masks the whole time. We used gloves whenever we went into the restrooms, but we did see a fair amount of people on the trails without masks. So just something to be aware of. It's all based on your own comfort level. But there is a less frequented trail within Sequoia that we did called Congress Trail. And it's a really good overview of the giant Sequoia trees. And you can go and we felt pretty alone on that trail. Now, there are more popular spots such as the General Sherman tree, which is known as the biggest tree in the world if you're measuring the volume. And that was crowded and a lot of people taking photos. So I would encourage anybody who wants to go to Sequoia to really do the research and try to find some trails within the giant forest that are a little less frequented. Yeah, definitely. They'll probably still be there, those Sequoias. Yeah, they're they're amazingly resilient. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, such a beautiful... I have been there before. That is a an incredible uh, sight, those sequoias. It really, mm-hmm. is. It really is. It's it's so beautiful. And I, and I don't know when you went there, if you went up the trail and it's like you start and it's super hot and the foliage is really different. And then you go up into the, the forest and it's just a whole nother world. You feel like you stepped into another, another planet or something and the air is a cooler and you're just surrounded by trees. It's so relaxing. If you love nature, it's it's just a great place to escape to. Yeah. So maybe give yourself more time to go a little further on those trails and and stay yes. a little longer. Yeah. Definitely. That's amazing right now. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's nice. I wouldn't recommend you do what we did because um, we spent a little longer in the forest than we thought we were going to. And we had a pretty long drive to our next Airbnb, which was located closer to Yosemite National Park. It's okay. a little bit north of, of Sequoia. And um, same drill as before. We wiped down everything, brought our own food, and we just spent a night there. So we actually didn't get to go into the park. But I do know as of right now that they they do allow the public to come in, but you need a reservation. With Sequoia, you don't need a reservation when you go. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. And from there. And from there. Wait, I have a question. Did you call any... I love this tip about calling the tourist office. I think that's a Mm -hmm. brilliant, brilliant tip. Um, Did you call anybody in Sequoia or did you just get the information as you... I mean, I know that they give out pamphlets, but was there anything you sought out specifically going there? Well, I was worried about our cooler in our trunk because it had all this food in it. And there are bears in Sequoia Mm -hmm. and there are signs everywhere that says, you know, don't leave food in your car and and cover everything up. And so we talked to one of the rangers at at the gate and she was talking to us about like bear safe boxes and stuff. And we were nervous about putting our food in a box where other people were putting their food. Mm. And so um, that's the only thing to be aware of. If I could do it again, I probably would leave the cooler somewhere else before entering the park because no one wants to be that person who you know attracts a bear <laughs> to the place where people are. Um, but that was the only thing that I was kind of like, we need to talk, we need to ask about this. Because yeah. I'm seeing these signs. We have this cooler full of food and we need to get some more information about that. But other than that, we used the pamphlets and we were able to navigate it pretty well on our own. Um, another tip I will say is to get gas before you enter the park because we did not do that. And we drove for about 30 minutes and had about a quarter of a tank left. And I was thinking like, we just can't, we need to turn around. I know it's going to delay us an hour. We have to go get gas somewhere else, but getting stuck up there would be no fun. So that is another hot tip. Make sure you have really a full good tank <laughs> before you enter the park. Full tank of gas and be bear aware. That is... Be bear aware. Exactly. Absolutely. I think that's the second time we've talked about this in this series, the bears. But it's so important because if you're going into a place that's not your element, you're not used to, make sure you're paying attention to who is used to that area because it might be bears. <laughs> It's very true. Yeah. And knowing how to take care of that. I mean, I grew up in bear country. So the cooler thing, like that's like, it's that I speak that language and you can't, we could leave coolers in the car, but the point of covering them up is because bears know what coolers look like. Right. You know, they know what a cooler is. Yeah. And so if they cannot see it, uh, it will, you know, it'll deter them from, from wanting to break and enter into your car because they also know how to do that. If you have a car with a trunk, you don't have to worry about it, like a closed trunk, like a sedan or something. Right. Um, but right. a lot of these cars these days are hatchbacks. You can see right into the back. So, yep, um, that's what I you, had. Yeah. So if you pull, maybe if you have one of those cover things in the hatchback, like the Subarus, like I used to have a Subaru and it had a, one of those pull retractable cover things. Those are fabulous. Or make sure you bring a blanket to just cover up everything in the back um, for purposes like this. It's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we ended up doing. We kind of covered it all. And of course I was still worried. I'm an anxious person. I was worried still. Um, but, and it was, it was all fine, but Jackie, I wish that you were with us <laughs> to like, <laughs> let us know because, you know, the whole time we were in the forest, I was very like, are we going to come back to the car and just have it, you know, broken into? And, yeah. and that wasn't the case, but yeah. But yeah I mean, usually, it yeah, it, there's more of a, of a potential for, a bear activity at night anyway, you know, not in broad daylight in a busy parking lot. Um, they're not really attracted to that, but um, definitely at night in campgrounds or if you're wild camping, um, it's really important if you're in bear country to know how to properly store your food. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. it was 
It was definitely something that we learned and, and neither of us are from California. So we were, mm-hmm. unlike you, we were kind of coming in and being like, oh, we, we do have a lot to learn here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, that was a great, a great day. And, you know, the next day we had to get back to LA because I had work the next day. And so we had, you know, one more day of driving and we could either just go straight back down toward LA. And I think the route we were looking at was to go to San Luis Obispo, which is on the coast in the central coast of California, and then down to LA. Or if we wanted to drive an extra maybe three hours, we could go straight west to the PCH and hit Monterey, which is just south of San Francisco, and then go all the way down the coast. And I had never done that before, the PCH (gasps) drive. I I know. You say PCH. Can we explain what that is so people listening know? Yes. Not everyone's from. (laughs) (laughs) So the Pacific Coast Highway, it stretches from LA. You can go all the way up to San Francisco. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous drive along the coast. And something that I think if you are in the area and you have the time, it is so worth it to take the long scenic route in this case. And so we did, and we drove, you know, an extra three hours when I was a little like, okay, this is just a lot of time in the car. I'm getting ready to go back home and and be in my bed and watch some Netflix for my last few hours of vacation. But I'm so glad that we did that because it is so beautiful. And there are some interesting spots along the way. If you go to Monterey, it's this adorable, adorable place. And I told Nick, I said, you know, I want to move here. So <laughs> maybe in five years, I'll be here and or we'll yeah. be. Um, has a really great, I have to shout out, I'm not vegan, but Nick is vegan. And we looked for a vegan place to grab some lunch. El Cantaro, vegan, it's a Mexican place, hands down, best vegan burrito I've ever had. Mm. Oh, so good. So I had to mm. have to shout them out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, sat by the water, everybody there was wearing masks. We didn't see one person who didn't have a mask. Mm, cool. So felt very safe there. And then drove down the coast through Big Sur, which is gorgeous. And then there is a place a little south of Big Sur called San Simeon. And that is, you have to put that on your list if you're doing this drive because they have a population of elephant seals that are just (laughs) on the beach. There's like hundreds of them. It's crazy. They're these massive animals that are just kind of lying all over each other. And, and they've got some, you know, placards there that give you information about, about them. But we probably spent an hour just sitting there watching these seals and just like a nice way to break up the drive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that probably took about six and a half hours, I would say, to drive back down from Monterey. And we got back to LA at around 11 p.m. So crammed so it all it. in. We <laughs> yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a really nice little getaway. And two nights. I mean, good for you. Like That's the most that uh, I've been able to lot. get away this summer too, is just two, two nights. It's so sad. Well, of us are travelers for a living and we're like, yay, we went somewhere for two minutes and it was four <laughs> hours away. <laughs> and probably spent, you know, 30 hours in the cars. So <laughs> maybe didn't plan it quite as well as we should have, but... 
but yeah, fantastic and came back and I felt like, okay, I can start the work week off again. I had my little mm-hmm. mini vacation and, um, it was wonderful. It was a really, really great experience. And I'm so happy to know that all of these places are close to me because I've been in LA for five years. I haven't gone to any of these places before except Santa Barbara. Um, so now I just have all these new places mm-hmm. that I can tell people about. And mm-hmm. it really is accessible if you do have a car. Yep. And you know what? That's the silver lining here is that we live in these places and there is so much to explore right in our own backyard that we have not done because our priorities have been elsewhere. That's okay. And now <laughs> they're served up to us on a silver platter saying, Hey, I'm right here. I'm still here and you can come get me now. You know, like oh. it's, it's doable. And I mean, you're in a place where there are so, so many. There's so much to see in California. It is such a beautiful, really beautiful, diverse state. And I mean, just getting in the car and going in any direction, you're going to find adventure. Um, yes. Even yeah, in, I, if it's just in a small little town that you've never been to before. I mean, go see what it's about, you know? And You know, a great um, example of that too is on the way to Santa Barbara. And I heard about this from one of our freelance writers at, at the magazine there's this place called Ostrich Land. And it's you know <laughs> very close to Santa Barbara, very close to this cute little town called Solvang, which is a little Danish oh, yeah. town. Yeah, yeah. Solvang, okay. Love Solvang. Um, but it is, it, it's got like this farm with ostriches and emus. And you can go and I think the admission is $5 and you can pay an extra dollar to feed them. And it's like a little roadside stop. It's so funny to just see these creatures up close. And, you know, we're going to Santa Barbara, but like, Hey, that's a great little place that is on the way to Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And so it just was like this unexpected find. And on the way, you know, afterwards we were listening to this podcast called species, which talks about ostriches. So like learning all about ostriches, which we never would have Mm -hmm. thought to do if we hadn't stumbled upon ostrich land. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. That whole thing. Um, you know, that's kind of magic though. And it brings up another thing that's, that's really, I don't, it's, I wouldn't maybe use the word unique, but I want to say it's unique to California is just that, I mean, obviously that's not true, but you have so many cool things that you can come upon on the side of the road there because there's so many, um, local farmers and vineyards. And I mean, um, these people come out and they bring whatever it is that they grow and they will yes. set up shop on the sides of the roads. And I mean, if you just took yourself on a drive and decided that you would allow yourself to be drawn to what attracts you, um, you could end up just like what you're saying, learning about so many different things, tasting things, meeting people, experiencing places and cultures that you might not, that you might actually normally just overlook because it's all there. It's usually there. Um, and these people, I mean, even during COVID, there, there may be some um, restrictions in place around how they are handling their, um, their sales of, of what, they, what they grow. But I think they're probably still doing it in places. They know? are. I, I, I do know that they are doing it. And on our way to Monterey from Yosemite, we were driving. We saw a bunch of those farm stands. And mm-hmm. we saw a sign that was especially enticing to us, which was 10 avocados for a dollar. What? And it's like, 
I know. <laughs> we were like, turn the cord. We have to stop here. <laughs> we love avocados. Um, and, you know, I, we only stopped at one, but I think everything is pretty much business as normal as long as you do wear a face covering um, when you when you go into the into the farm stand or in the farm store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure enough, we walked out with 10 avocados and a watermelon and we were feeling great. <laughs> Lovely. I love that. And what a way to support local people too. It's like Definitely. so win-win. Yeah. As long as you're willing to say yes and turn the car around, you know? That's the thing. It's like I, during normal, you know, pre-pandemic times, I think that everyone's so busy trying to get to point from point A to point B. And when you're just kind of out and exploring and and anything that catches your eye, you can just say, well, why don't we just stop here? Like that's what makes the travel experience truly rewarding. So, and that's a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm so with you on that. It's, it's, the invitation to adventure that can start very small. It's more like a mindset, you know, and, and wanting to, to put yourself out of your normal routine. And as soon as you want to decide that, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's kind of fun. Even if it's in a place like LA where you have lots of people and, you know, you can still find that adventure. I mean, you're still in California. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And you have the mountains, you have the sea, you have the desert, you have everything here. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, was that, were, were those all the, did we t- touch on everything that you wanted to share today? I think we did. I think okay. we did. Yeah. Cool. And I'm so interested to hear, you know, if your listeners have gone on any cool little trips in their backyard, I'm so eager to hear what they've uncovered in, in their own spots too. Yeah, so this is a very cool series that you're yay. doing. Cool. Thank you. I mean, that's the point, you know, is finding these hidden gems and getting off the beaten path in popular places and just kind of letting adventure happen right where we are. That's, that's what we can do right now, right? Yep, so, exactly. Yeah. And do it in a responsible way. Exactly. Muy importante. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing this today. And um, where can people find you if they want to see what you're up to? So they can find me on Instagram and my Instagram is Emma, my first name, E-M-M-A underscore in root. And it's spelled the French way. So, and I'm a quarter French, so I can get away with that. I think Um, (laughs) it's E-N-R-O-U-T-E. So Emma underscore in root. Um, And Travel Age West has some great articles for people looking for inspiration if they're traveling. And that's www.travelage.com west.com. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so So much, much. Jackie. This has been so fun. (laughs) Yay. I knew it would be. I told you, right? (laughs) It always is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Awesome. Well, um, I can't wait to hear what what more adventures you guys get to go on and kind of see what happens in your own little story. So thank you so much, Emma, for joining us today. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Jackie. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Hope you had fun on our Southern California tour today. Uh, Once again, head to jumppodcast.com for all things jump. Get on our mailing list. Uh, We do have some big things coming up that you may want to be involved in. And that email list is where you're going to stay in the loop. And remember that Croatia Week 2 is open for booking. You can find it all at jumppodcast.com. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Come say hi on Instagram at Traveling Jackie. Let me know how you are enjoying the show and I will see you next time.